Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Conspiracy Farm, where we don't start the conspiracies, we just add the water. And now, your host of the most state-of-the-art, most informed podcast on the interweb, I present to you, Pat Militage and Jeffrey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for There we go, ladies and gentlemen. How we doing? One more again back at you, Jeffrey Wilson with the Conspiracy Farm. As always, riding shotgun with my partner in crime, UFC Hall of Famer, Battles Galactus for Eater of World status, Slayer of Dragons, Pat Militich. What's up, champ? Oh, I'm excited to be back. Excited to be back in town working with you, my friend, and excited about the guests that you have acquired for us. Yeah, he is absolutely no joke. But before we do get to that, folks, our conspiracy farm and our farmers have been very patient low these last few weeks as we've been working on our other show, Everything Combat, because life is a fight, ladies and gentlemen. We all have our fight in life. So we recently linked up with ESPN Radio 93.5 FM right here in the Quad Cities. You can see that live on our YouTube page, our Facebook page. We've been absolutely bringing the thunder, ladies and gentlemen, from C.T. Fletcher, Dan Gable, Dan Taffet, George Foreman, Ben Askren. Last week we had the voice of the Octagon, Bruce Buffer. So if you farmers want to take that nice chunk of listenership we have out there in over 100 countries and pivot your way on over to the uh, whatever you want to find it, the Everything Combat uh, Facebook page, YouTube page. Uh, you can find us, get down each and every week. Monday, 93.5 here in the Quad Cities in the Rock and Roll Mansion. Every single Monday night. But today, you are absolutely correct, sir. I have not let anybody down. This guy is going to make some brains bleed without a doubt. Billy Carson's his name, ladies and gentlemen. He's the founder of Forbidden Knowledge, Inc. He's coming by today to talk to us about, man, a quite a bit of things. Ancient civilizations, ancient technologies, new ways on propulsion system. He's also he's a researcher as well as the author of the Compendium of the Emerald Talent ta- Tablets. Pardon me. Recently, Mr. Carson earned the Certificate of Science with an emphasis on neuroscience at MIT. As his most notable achievements, Billy is the CEO of First Class Space and First Class Space Agency, based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Specifically, this company is involved in research, development, and alternative propulsion, alternative propulsion systems, and zero-point energy devices. Man, that's a mouthful, but this guy is clearly, clearly an accomplished individual. A big brain, as I like to call him. Billy Carson joined us today. How are you today, sir? I'm fantastic. Glad. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be on here, man. Why don't you tell me how it—I mean, this is a crazy— I mean, listening to you and a former former guest I had on, Matthew LaCroix, talking about the serpent versus the eagle, and there's so much to that, man. There's so much history that has kind of been hidden and just um, kind of removed from the, the normal timeline of history as we know it, going back to, you know, the ancient Sumerians, and you guys go so, so deep into it, and it is such a very, very fascinating conversation because if you look at so much of the division that we see now today, in my personal opinion, just understanding your research, Matthews, you know, Zachariah Sitchin, and great many others, these divisions go back a long, long way as to who did want humanity to thrive and who did not want humanity to thrive. But before that, what tipped you off? Like, what got you into this world? I, you know, mine started with the JFK assassination, got me into just conspiracies in general, and then it broadened out to a whole bunch of uh, different aspects of it. But when did the bug bite you, sir? It got me back in the 1970s. Living in Queens, New York, uh, my family decided to move down to Florida. So we moved to Miami to this area called Opalaka, which is very close to this Opalaka airport, private airport. So I would go out in the backyard on my, you know, sunny Sundays and uh, watch the planes go by. Just basically, they would take a few minutes to go over the horizon. I would just watch them 
just nothing else to do. No TV, no cable TV back then, nothing like that. And uh, one day I was out back and a object came over that uh, the word UFO wasn't even in my vocabulary back then. This is 1977. And it cleared the horizon in seconds, not minutes. So even as a child, I knew right away that what I saw was not an airplane. Uh, so that really piqued my interest. Now what happened was it came back the way it came in. It hovered above me. Now I can estimate about 250 meters. And it took off, took off the way it came in. So that baffled me. It stunned me. The next day, I went straight to school, Rainbow Park Elementary in Opelika, Florida, down in Miami. And I went straight to the library, and I got every single Encyclopedia Britannica on aerospace. And I started researching aerospace from then. Literally, that's when my research started. Uh, I got heavy in aerospace, everything from delta wing, swept wing, uh, different types of uh, stealth uh, uh, fighters that were being developed at the time, uh, the SR-71 Blackbird. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm going into everything all the, way, all the way back then and just trying to find what I saw and I could not find what I saw. So that did really spark my interest in getting me started in looking into these types of uh, UFO objects, which, again, I didn't have the term UFO at that time. Much later, I, I acquired it. But at the time, I just knew it was something that was out of the ordinary. Well, definitely, that would probably shake you, especially as a young man. I mean, that's, you know. Like all of us in any of these questions, even as a grown adult, I still have like way more questions than I do answers. So clearly that spawned a whole litany of questions. And like I said, you, you've tumbled down the rabbit hole. Like I said, now you're dealing with, you know, new propulsion technology. But, you know, some of your specific um, information and research that you've gone into is, is ancient in orientation. Your, you know, your Sumerian tablets, yeah. your Nagamati scriptures, your Enuma Elish. I mean, we're, I want to qualify these and, and kind of let everybody know what these are, what these things are. But yeah. When you start going back into time, you know, where does it start for you? Kind of everybody's timeline timeline is a little bit different, but you know, where does the, you know, like again, when we talk about Graham Hancock saying we are a civilization with amnesia, that covers so much time from the, you know, Egypt, the Akkadians, the Egyptians, the, you know, it goes back a really long ways up till, you know, people say things started 400, 500,000 years ago. Where does your timeline yeah. start? It really starts uh, where the writing of Stoke um, it is evident, and that's in the Emerald Tablets. And that's why I wrote the book, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets, is because that was the oldest evidence of writing that I could find that told a prehistory of mankind. And um, now, the, 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 the book is written 30, or the tablets are written 36,000 years ago, but the story goes back hundreds of thousands of years. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, there's one epic in there that Thoth is talking about, and Thoth, who's an Atlantean, I'll go into a minute. Yeah. Uh, is one of the orig original Atlanteans that came to this planet. Uh, and he talks about regenerating bodies for his own personal use for 100,000 years. Just to give you an idea of how, how big the time scales are, these are really big time scales. But the reason why I found it very interesting uh, to go into the Emerald Tablets is because it talks about a great flood 36,000 years ago. That's the opening scene in these tablets. And then it talks about a UFO. Uh, that he is told by his dad and his crew to get into, and they lift off until the earth disappears, and then they descend on the land of Kem, which is what ancient Egypt really was called, Kem, the land of Kem, which is where you get the word chemistry and also alchemy. And uh, his mission and his crew's mission was to bring back civilization to a high level. So here we go. The, the key phrase is bring back civilization to a high level. In other words, it was already at a high level, long before this great flood. So how long were we at this high level? This is beyond 36,000 years. So this is handwritten evidence, in my personal opinion, 
that um, that there were higher levels of civilization long before in the deep deep antiquity, long in the ancient past, and high technology, and we're just now starting to rediscover all this technology and trying to get back to the level that we used to be at. Yeah, I and mean, as, as you've spoken about many the civilizations, whether we realize it or not, it's not linear that we were some caveman and now we're so super smart. Civilizations have come and gone, you know, throughout the eons. And when you go back to mm-hmm. something like the Sumerians Kings list, you know, they wrote from from heaven kingship basically came to earth. And within that, mm-hmm. why don't you explain what is the Sumerian Kings list? Oh, the Sumerian Kings list is amazing. It's um, it's a it's a, a amazing stone piece of work that's uh, done in cuneiform text etched in with a stylus, baked in the, into this clay, and it's in the Ashmolean Museum in Oxford, England. Uh, and it's really stunning because this is antediluvial kings. This is a list of kings that basically ruled um, over the earth for a very, very long time. And when you say uh, I, I don't mean to, I don't mean to stop you because when I was talking to Matthew, we were we were talking as if everybody knew what these terms were. Please qualify mm-hmm. antediluvian for us. What does that mean? Okay, pre-flood. So we're talking about before the flood. What happened was before the flood, the Sumerians themselves would rule, or these Anunnaki gods that ruled over these Sumerians uh, were the main kings. In other words, that was the main bloodline. What we would call a homo sapien was more of the worker bee. They didn't have any kingship. They didn't have any control over the masses of people. They really, everybody followed whatever the Anunnaki beings told them to do, and they were basically just slaves. Was that the Ajiji? Uh, so this is the Ajiji were working class Anunnaki, actually. Uh, you know, so the uh, Ajiji were um, were Anunnaki beings that were working, and they were basically uh, almost a slave, but not quite. In other words, they had kind of volunteered for this this job of mining these resources on Earth and also on Mars, but then were being treated very harshly and and almost under slave conditions. And then they had a revolt at one point where they wanted to come and actually battle against Enki and Enlil for the right to be free and to not have to do this hard labor. And that's when the decision was made to then genetically modify the existing hominid on the planet and try to genetically create a slave race. But what they actually two did. major players you just mentioned kind of were at the top of the uh, of, of the family tree, if you will, in this cosmic war is Enlil and Enki. If you know, it, it kind of explain a lot. I'm gonna, we're going to be doing this kind of throughout the show. He's going to be throwing out terms. I'm going to be throwing out terms, and I don't want to just assume yeah. everybody knows what these are. So, Enlil, yeah, you've got to give you've got to give the listeners a little yeah a little simpler terms, definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah, Enlil and Inky are two very pivotal figures. Who were those two individuals? Okay, you had Anu, who was the the main god figure or the main father of these uh these beings that came here in the ancient past. He had two sons. One was called Enlil, and the other one was called Ea Enki. E A Enki. Uh, Ea was his first two initials, and Ki means Earth. So basically, the Earth was actually named after him. But even though the Earth was named after him, he had a higher rank than Enlil. But Enlil had superseded him uh, for whatever deeds he had done, according to the, these texts. And Enlil actually uh, became the ruler or the king of Earth. Uh, and Ea Enki was more of the master geneticist and worked along with his brother. Uh, so these were two beings that came here <clears throat> that are talked about actually in the modern-day Bible uh, several times. Uh, for example, Enlil is actually Yahweh in the modern-day Bible, uh, and, en- and Enki is also known as the serpent uh, because Enlil had called him the serpent, the serpent that came to the garden to talk to Adam and Eve, which was actually a, uh, a very sophisticated um, laboratory 
uh, and Enlil was known as the Lord of Eden, E-D-I-N, or he was also known as Satan, the Lord of Eden, in some of the ancient uh, texts. So uh, you, you have Satan, and you have, uh, the, you know, the, the serpent. person who was called the serpent, who really wasn't the serpent, he was he was bringer of light, bringer of knowledge. Is what the See, we're going to get, I, and I, we're going to get, whatever. I, I have to ask, I mean, with, with, you know, all of this knowledge and everything that he's mm-hmm. talking about, have you ever had death threats from people of, of, of you know, the, the three major religions of the world? I mean, do people say this is sacrilege and things like that and go after you at all? Oh, they go crazy online, and they, yeah. you know, they type their, they type hard on their keypad. <laughs> but, keypad warriors. <laughs> you know, keypad warriors, but I've never had any, you know, not from them. I mean, the true, the true uh, people that are, um, that are dangerous in this whole conscious movement are not the religious, well, the religious people, it's the specific group of religious people, the ones that believe the earth is flat. Those people <laughs> no, are a couple dangerous. Of those. those are where I've had death threats. I'm going to shoot you with an AK-47. I'm going to kill you at the Conscious Life Expo, which I have screenshots of this even on Instagram on my legal team at Forbidden Knowledge uh, and had to report them to the FBI and so forth. So those are the dangerous ones. Those, um, uh, I guess, are fanatical. You know, you have the people who are fanatical. They don't, if if you're saying something that uh, goes against what they believe and they get really radical and uh, well, it's not even just what they but what individuals believe what you just described and i'm 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 with this i'm not particularly religious at all and i don't mean to my intent is to not offend offend what you just described you know with with inky being the serpent etc cetera, etc cetera, and we see how the serpent plays out the role of the serpent kind of throughout history reality has been almost completely inverted where the the, the reason for jesus and the sin of this begotten son was be the original sin, the fall of man, which was this conversation you're talking about. But when you go back yeah. and see what these things really are, it's really, really symbolized. It's way different than what we're taught. But within the Christian religion, yeah. it's and I'm not knocking whatever. I hate to keep saying that because I'm not really trying to. There's commonalities of threes in masonry, though, in Christianity. And the, the 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 three stars, you know, where well, not, not just not just that, where it's, from, it's 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 almost you know, like it's, you're how do, how do I say it? it's like. Don't fall for Satan's trick. Satan's trick is to tell you that, you know, he's the good one and Jesus was the bad. And, mm-hmm. and I don't mean to frame it like that, but at the end of the day, the serpent wasn't this bad thing that we were we were programmed to, to believe was. He was or correct. it was. At least, not by this, at least not by these teachings. Right. No, right. absolutely. Well, you have to you have to understand one thing. The modern day Bible is just an accumulation of plagiarized information that can be found. Every single bit of what I've done you can be defi- can be discovered in ancient text. So if you look at the book of Genesis, you have to go to uh, the, the, the Egyptian book of the dead, the Tibetan book of the dead, the Sumerian tablets, uh, and um, the two uh, laws of Matt, uh, a little bit of the Bhagavad Gita in the Old Testament, not a lot. But when you get to the New Testament, it's more of the Bhagavad Gita in there. There's more of the, uh, the Egyptian book of the dead. The animal tablets of Thoth, where you have Jesus speaking in the New Testament, you can find all the stuff he's saying. In the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. Now, the Bible was written between 100 A.D. to 900 A.D., and the Emerald Tablets was written 36,000 uh, 36, B.C. BC. So now, so what, what do you have here? You, which came from the chicken or the egg? So what you have here is evidence that Jesus himself, who now we know for a fact, even in the Bible, he had gone to Egypt. He was a student of the mystery schools, because if you go to another ancient text that's been left out of everything, but you can find it, it's called the Gospel of the Holy Twelve. Very hard to find uh, scriptures. They're very expensive. I had to pay $650 for one book, one copy of these scriptures. 
Uh, and uh, they talk about where Jesus was from the age of 14 to the age of 33 when he disappeared from the modern Bible. He was uh, in Egypt, and I've been to the house in Egypt where he lived. Him and his mother lived there. The house is still a shrine in Coptic Cairo. Anybody can go there and visit there. I'm going again this summer. Uh, and then he learned the ancient Egyptian mysteries, which is why the words he's saying are the same words as self, because he learned from the same hermetic principles. Then he left there and went to India to learn Reiki healing, and he went to Tibet to learn the mystic arts. On the way back, he taught uh, reincarnation the whole way. Uh, you know, so this is really what the Bible truly predicated on. It's, pre it's predicated and based on a system of uh, understanding reincarnation and the fact that we're living in a universe that's, uh, that's a created universe, but it still talks about it. It's a holographic realm. It's a light matrix, basically. And this is what really makes it interesting. Well, this is what I told Pat a long time ago, not too long ago, this summer. I'm like, Jesus was the first, first victim of the deep state. You know, he was, he, was yeah. he was teaching people, you know, kind of what they didn't want to be taught. And that's kind of emblematic throughout history. But he, what he was teaching mm -hmm. is basically the same stuff that's been suppressed and hidden. Pat, were you going to say something? He got JFK'd, buddy. He did. He, yeah, I mean, he, did. he was the OG JFK. You know, and when we fast yeah. forward, when we fast forward, Billy, and I apologize. I this this is something that has been sticking with me for quite a long time. Is you know the announcement of it's like we've been conditioned that something is coming, and then all of a sudden an announcement. You know, they're releasing. You know, the Pentagon releases and Department of Defense. You know, fighter jet cameras that have caught. You know, alien spacecraft, whether they are ours or someone else's, we're not sure what they've been working on, but. Uh, then all of a sudden, Space Force is announced by President Trump. And is that, I mean, is that the preparation for, say, the Anunnaki return? I mean, do, do they know something we don't as far as that goes? You know, it's interesting. I mean, you talk about the Pentagon situation, which uh, they had, through a Freedom of Information Act, had released these ATIP documents. Uh, so these documents came out that talked about this entire uh, investigation and research that had gone on by the U.S. government. And then all of a sudden, those documents disappeared from the server and were, are nowhere to be found. You can only find about eight or nine of those documents, eight or nine pages of a complete 450-page right. document, which talks about a lot of weird experiments and cooperative uh, uh, things that we were doing with aliens and cloning and, 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 and all this weird stuff. And, and you can still get this from the FBI.gov site. It's bizarre. But uh, um, I think that this whole Space Force and all this other stuff that we're moving into is going – They've done their research as well. And uh, Anunnaki, I still believe, truly are in contact with the U.S. government and maybe are still in some ways behind the scenes running part of the behind the scenes secret programs. But I believe that when you like when you look at the Emerald Tablet and Thoth is talking about a big battle that's coming. This is where the Bible got it from. They, they got it from the Emerald Tablets. But Thoth said that he hit a ship and he ain't talking about a ship that goes out in the ocean. He says he hit a ship underneath the Sphinx Paw. And underneath there, he said, the wise man will, will uh, figure out how to release my ship and fight this enemy with ease and destroy them. Again, this is 36,000-year-old text, but everywhere you look in these ancient texts, you find something reminiscent of the book of Revelation in terms of something, some big battle that's coming. And the book of Revelation has turned it into something a little bit more um, fictional, in my personal opinion. I think you get the more direct phrases directly from some of these ancient texts, but there's supposed to be... This big ancient, this big battle that's from ancient times that's known about coming to the future, and I believe that uh, because these governments, like our government, they dig into all this stuff. They go to the, they went to Iraq, they went straight to the museum, and at Saddam Hussein's museum, and they blew the doors open before they got to anything else. They went straight to the museum and took all the artifacts, and all the texts, and all the cylinder scrolls out of there. 
Then they went to the ziggurat of Ur and took this device out of this ancient stone device, kind of reminiscent of a of the Stargate uh, yeah. uh, sphere. That place, that's that's that, a, that place in Ur. That that ziggurat in Ur is absolutely amazing, especially when you realize how how far back that was yeah. built. And that was a question I was going to ask you here in a little bit, and I asked Matthew the mm-hmm. same question. You know, your thoughts on, on this war in Iraq, and you're exactly right, the libraries of antiquity were, antiquity were absolutely sacked. Is, it, is, it, a, is yeah. it a coincidence that these are where we've been at war with, you know, in Iraq, in Syria, this area, this cradle of civilization, you know, this Mesopotamia mm-hmm. area for so long? Do you, I mean, obviously, you know, you feel there is, there's some looting going on. The weapons of mass destruction were not nukes and dirty bombs. The weapons of mass destruction were most likely a Stargate and possibly the Tablets of Destiny or one of the Tablets of Destiny that had been hidden on Earth by the Anunnaki. Whoever has control of these Tablets of Destiny controls the entire galaxy, uh, or they supposedly they win every battle. And these same tablets are talked about in many different texts. They're called different things. You can go into the Bhagavad Gita, the Mahabharata. You can go, of course, into the Sumerian Tablets. I mean, the more you look around this, this particular of these tablets, and now you even look at the modern day Avengers Infinity Wars. I was He's just going to say, I was just going to say. Stone. Right. And there's, and you know okay. what, I've talked to, I've talked to several Christian pastors who, who actually believe that that's what, you know, when they talk about the battle in the sky and, and everything else, mm-hmm. they believe that that was with alien forces. It was an a- absolute battle with, with mm-hmm. non, non-earth beings. Yeah, it was. And one of the things that think people have to realize when you look at the modern-day Bible, first of all, a lot of the books have been left out on purpose, the Apocrypha text. I've read every single stitch of word of every single one of those Apocrypha texts, uh, and you discover why they've been left out, because they really allude more to aliens and not gods. And then when you go into the Aramaic and you start to realize that the word God in the modern Bible is actually mistranslated singular, it's supposed to be God's plural. And then when you start analyzing it from that perspective and you look at the battles that are going on in like the book of Deuteronomy, you discover that it's actually the different Anunnaki family members battling each other, just like the 13 families that run the world were battling each other for the mm-hmm. longest time. They just not come to some type of a truce and broke up the planet into pieces. But, but these, these Anunnaki were doing the same thing back in those days, and they were sending humans out as cattle to fight each other for resources and land and everything else including saying things in the Bible like it's okay to rape, steal, pillage, kill the women, kill the children. These exact words I'm saying are in the modern-day Bible, but most Christians have never read it because they only go to church to hear the good part, not the bad parts. But these are the Anunnaki people. So the Bible truly is talking about these Anunnaki people when they reference the word God, not the creator of the universe. I believe there's a creator of the universe, but that's not the person, in my personal opinion, that's being talked about in the modern-day Bible. Well, in, even even in our modern day Bible, I mean, going back to our Anunnaki, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, I might have our the timeline here messed up. It was it was your Anunnaki um, who began to what they I think what uh, the sons of God had sex with the daughters of men and then start procreating with our earth women, so to speak. But some of these guys were giants, as they say, and even in Genesis, yeah. giants roam the earth. What do you, and then, as, as we now know, you know, we known as the Nephilim. What are your thoughts on, on the Nephilim and their role, you know, it, it's what they are and um, their role in kind of all of this? David and Goliath, you know, Goliath being supposedly yeah. one of the Nephilim. Mm-hmm. I believe the sons of God. I truly believe the sons of God are the Ejiji, because when you look into the epic, you discover that these Ejiji working class had descended from Mars. They were actually mining on Mars. They were pissed off with the conditions. They didn't have any women, according to the text. They had no women. They came to Earth, to, and they encircled Enlil's campus. They were getting ready to go to battle. 
and I believe that uh, after this agreement was made to genetically modify the existing hominid, they then took some women back with them. So these are the sons of God, because they're all sons of Anu, that made it with the daughters of men. They took men, they took women with them and became, you know, wherever they went back with them, whether it was Earth or whether it was back to Mars or whatever, but they, they had, took them as wives, so they, they wanted some women. They made it very, very clear that they wanted women, which they took. Now, the offspring of these, the mating of an Anunnaki and a human being creates a demigod or also known as a, a Nephilim. So a Nephilim is a half-human and a half-alien uh, or half-Anunnaki, whatever you want to call it, uh, and that created a Nephilim gene, which uh, started, started off as very big giants, but over time they got smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where a six-foot-tall man was considered still a giant after many, many, you know, hundreds of years or thousands of years. But they did start off very, very large. Uh, these beings are depicted in, in, in Egypt, all through the hieroglyphs. They were many different color races, by the way. They weren't just all black. They were just depictions of white giants, black giants, red giants. Okay, so these giants were global. And also the Anunnaki were also global. This is an Atlantean civilization. Atlantis was not just a ring city in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Atlantis, the ring city, was just the capital. The entire planet was Atlantis. You're sitting on Atlantis. I'm sitting on Atlantis right now. Atlantis was everywhere. It was a global civilization. No matter where you go on this planet, you're going to find megalithic structures, all based on the same exact architectural technique. And no matter where you go in this solar system, you're going to find the same structures on the moon, the Mars, the, the, the moons of Saturn, the moons of Jupiter. You're still going to find the same exact structures there, which means they were probably an interplanetary civilization. And maybe even, we don't know this, but maybe even intergalactic. Wow. Yeah, we did. I just saw something today that they saw rain falling on Titan, one of the moons of Saturn that they've always speculated. Um, you know, going back to kind of the human biology, um, you know, the Sumerians kings list, going back to that, these kings sometimes live for 40, 50, 60, 70,000 years. Even even in our in the modern day Bible, you know, these guys, you know, Noah and everybody live for like six, seven hundred years. So there clearly was a, a change in somehow in the biology or telomeres or and, and you actually talk about this. I'm going to ask you. Um, yeah. So talk to me about junk DNA and how that mm -hmm. coincides with chromosome number two. Okay. Well, you know, the amazing thing about these Anunnaki beings is like the antediluvial kings, for example, uh, one of them ruled for 28,000 years, another one ruled for 36,000 years. That's just a ruling. That's not how long they even live. I mean, right. they live many more years than that, 43,200 years. I mean, it, it's the numbers are crazy numbers. But then you go, you know, as a, us as a human being that's living to 70 and 80, we go, man, that sounds phenomenal. That sounds impossible. But when you look at the technology we have right now, you start to realize it's very, very doable. So... What the Anunnaki did was they took an existing hominid, which was our cousin, Homo sapiens' cousin, not Homo sapiens. Now, we're taught in school that these, these pre-humans, these pre-Homo sapiens were uh, cavemen, and they were dummies and everything else, and they were just grunt workers or whatever, and they lived in caves, and they didn't know what they were doing. But these people were more sophisticated, in my opinion, smarter than we are today, smarter than Homo sapiens. The reason being is because I believe that they had more connected DNA. I believe they had bigger brains and had bigger pineal glands. And what the Anunnaki actually did was they went in and they um, genetically modified that hominid, dumbing us down to become a homo sapien, shrinking our brain, shrinking our pineal gland, and disconnecting a lot of our DNA. I believe the opposite happened. So we went from a more sophisticated type of a being, not maybe technologically, but at least spiritually, more in tune with nature, more in tune with the frequency, the human resonance of the earth, more in tune with the universe. 
uh, you know, and we went from that level, maybe even using the magnetite crystals in our brains, like animals do, to navigate and so forth, to now where whoa, we're whoa, whoa. Magnetite, what? one thing. Magnetite. Yeah, our brains have, yeah, our, our, every single human being has millions of magnetite crystals inside their brain. That's bi biology. Uh, but, you know, turtles and birds and so forth, they all use those crystals to navigate the planet, to navigate magnetic fields, to return to their birthplaces and so forth and so on. If there's a tsunami coming in inland, okay, the wild animals know ahead of time to leave the shoreline. They go to the mountains or the hills. Human beings, mm. we just stay in the water and play until we get washed away. Why is the tide going okay? out so much? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we have no, we have no clue, you know. So, but we have lost our connection with the with the universe because of the way we've been disconnected. All this junk DNA is not junk; it's disconnected nodes that normally connect to the real world and to the to the universe. See, what people mm. don't realize is. DNA is a storage medium and a Wi-Fi source. It sends and receives wireless information, scientifically proven, and scientists have taken one gram of DNA, which is enough to put on the pin pick of your, a pin prick to put on the tip of your finger, and they was able to store um, 700 terabytes of data on one gram of DNA. They were able to download information onto it from uh, a server and upload the information back to the server in zero to one. Now They're let that now let 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 I that know, let so that marinate, amazing. ladies and gentlemen. You can store information. You know, uh, uh, internet code is basically ones and zeros, a binary code, and then you have DNA, which is basically what is it, adenine, zero guanine, thymine, cytosine. So it's basically the same right. kind of code, but they are mm -hmm. storing information on DNA and re-uploading it. Mind blown. That's it. Mind blown. And, and the and the thing is, is one human being has enough DNA to store the entire information contained in the entire universe since 13.5 billion years ago till today. <laughs> so, <laughs> what? So That's now beautiful. you see how powerful the human body, the, the human body, the human avatar, is created in such a unique way. This is why I believe there's a lot of alien abductions and a lot of people trying to do hybrid programs in human beings is because they're trying to obtain. The, the biological powers that we have that we haven't even begun to tap back into. We're just now starting to uh, figure out all the powers we have. Now, another thing that happened was, if you look into the Sumerian tablets, you hear this Tower of Babel incident, which is spoken about in the Bible as well, in the Old Testament, where Yahweh, who's actually Enlil, he's gone for a while. He comes back, they're building this tower. Some people think it was a spaceport. Some people think it was just a tower, a very tall tower they were mimicking of the Anunnaki. Regardless, they were building this tower. It was massive. All people working together as one, in unison, together as a team, building something together. Okay? Your God comes back and then gets pissed off because you're working together in unison in peace and unity. What kind of God destroy that and curse the people? See, that wasn't the creator of the universe. Again, this is a regular flesh and blood person that's just more technologically advanced, masquerading as a God. So he knocks down the tower, probably with some type of weapon. He separates the human beings. He then splits them up into factions, forces to change their language. And he also then says this one important note. My seed shall not abide in man forever. His years shall be 120. Well, uh, researchers at Harvard University just discovered that under the most pristine conditions, a human being can only live to about 120 years. Right. Why is that? Well, they discovered that there's this thing called chromosome number two in the human body. That at some point in the distant past, and they don't know how it happened, but it's a it's a manual uh, genetic modification. Chromosome one and two were fused together, and then on the tips were put these two telomere caps. 
Now, these telomere caps have genetic data in them that store all the information about your RNA and DNA and your cells and everything else. So when, you, when your cells replicate and split, uh, you then have, you don't lose anything during that process. You don't lose any genetic information. So the telomeres, though, they're like the buffer on a YouTube channel. You have a little bit of buffer, and as, when that buffer runs out, the, the video's over. Same thing happens in your body. So when the buffer material runs out in those telomeres, that's it. Your body starts the death process. Well, these scientists at Harvard discovered this, and they were able to stop the telomeres from shrinking. Right. So they were able to extend the, mice, the lives of mice by three times as long, which means they can do the same thing right now in humans as well. Okay? Uh, so you, you have here more of the modern science backing up ancient text again, where we're talking about what's going on here with lifespans and so forth. It's just a, it was an amazing correlation. And that honestly can, lends into epigenetics as well as something well, we thought that was so crazy. What he's, I can confirm what he's saying because I had a phone call with the scientist who actually originally was at UCLA at the time when he won a Nobel Prize for figuring out how to lengthen the telomeres. And he was also the, the guy that invented uh, liposomal delivery systems for cancer patients. But anyway, I asked him the question. I said, you know, this, is, this, is, this technology can only be used on very wealthy people because nobody can afford to... To, to live 250 years when you're 70 years old and you retire. Well, people don't want to pay for your retirement for another 150 years, bro. <laughs> right. That's not how this is going to go down. And he goes, you're exactly right. This is, this is for the, literally for the elite. And he, so he confirmed 100% that he believes that he will be able to extend just in his lifetime of study the human life to 200 Only for the elite. Years. Life extension technology. Bone broth. Limited supply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, it's one, what you're saying is 100% legit. Yeah, thank you. What does this right. anyway coincide? I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, what's going to happen is if we don't take control of this planet, they're going to end up selling us time. Wow, I never selling thought of it us that time. Way. Wow, you want to live 20 more years, bro? Go to go to your local grocery store, go to Redbook, and get some more time. Don't go to right. a movie or a video game, get some time. So does this coincide at all with the 2045 project with Russia? Or how? I mean, what Absolutely. what is that? Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, the 2045 project is an interesting project, uh, Ray Kurzweil. What they're doing over there in Russia is they're trying to transfer human consciousness into a brand-new avatar body. Hold so on, wait, 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 let, that, let that marinate. Let that marinate. <laughs> yeah. Transferring consciousness into another human body. Go ahead. Right. Just like the movie Avatar. Now, this is all talked about. The movie Avatar, they took all that information directly from the animal tablets. This predictive programming, for sure. Book. Same as Prometheus. Absolutely. Prometheus was another one, basically, kind of talking about the Anunnaki. Absolutely. Absolutely, no doubt. You know, so when I when I went and started researching these animal tablets, and I go, oh my God, this is what's in here. So talks about transferring his consciousness into an, another body. Then when he's in that body, he takes the previous body and he puts it into a rejuvenation chamber and leaves it there for a hundred years while he walks amongst men. And according to him, he's done this a hundred times, a hundred. So that's a hundred thousand years he's been alive transferring his consciousness back and forth into different bodies that it created. That was um, uh, the beginning. I mean, if, if it's based off of kind of, well, X-Men obviously stole it, but the first, the beginning of X-Men Apocalypse is that very thing. Apocalypse, Apocalypse literally is all old and transfers his body and his consciousness into a new being. So, yeah, I mean, they, they, it's kind of weird how it's kind of whatever they call it, predictive programming or how they tell us what they're doing or going to do, but it's couched in this fiction, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, And if you talk like this, you're like, right. oh, you've seen too many science fiction movies or whatever, whatever, but in <laughs> fact it's... Uh, it's absolutely on point. Yeah, they're just hiding the truth in plain sight. So no. what's happening now, 2045, is they said, okay, we're going to first start off in 2015, which they've done already, transferring consciousness into a computer. So they've transferred a monkey's consciousness 
into a computer. I made posts, many posts about this on Forbidden Knowledge, showing it's actually made the news. It made international news. It was a, it was a very well-known thing. The monkey's in the computer. It thinks it's eating bananas and climbing trees and everything else, but the monkey doesn't, physically doesn't exist. It only exists in the computer. Uh, then the next step was to transfer consciousness into a robot, which the DARPA project has already done with Boston Dynamics. They transfer an, a military soldier's consciousness into a field robot, and so kind of like a symbiotic relationship, <laughs> just like the movie Avatar, uh, where the guy is laying in the one chamber, he's controlling the Avatar and yeah. a whole other you know thing. So, and then you know you can you can wake up, uh, but now the 2045 goal is to now take cloned bodies. Uh, right, cloned avatars with, uh, that have been genetically modified, no disease, no telomere shortening, no nothing, can live for 10,000, 100,000, 200,000 years, whatever the number is, and you transfer your consciousness into them. And people go, how can you transfer consciousness? So the only thing stopping us, or that was stopping us from doing that, was storage mediums. We couldn't find enough hard drives to store that kind of uh, content. Now we do with, the, with, now with these uh, DNA hard drives that they're developing. DNA hard drives, like I told you, one human body can store the whole universe. So that means that you only need a hard drive probably the size of your cell phone to store one human's consciousness and transfer it to another, uh, um, another body. That's so crazy. That's, 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 it's, it's, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Now, so to ask you this question, do you believe in an actual spirit inside of this machine that we're walking around in? Yes, I do believe that. I think that um, the consciousness is the only thing that truly really exists in the third dimension. And that's why the consciousness has to, av- has to animate the avatar. In other words, if I take a clone of you, but, that is just, but there's no consciousness inside the brain, there's nothing there, right. that the, your, your body's just going to lay flat on the table. It's not going to do anything. Once I inject consciousness, that light being into the actual avatar, it animates it, and it becomes what we call alive. It, you can control it. You can move it around. You can move the arms. But when the consciousness is removed, it's nothing but just a, a, just a, a meat suit. Uh, and so this consciousness is the spirit that's hopping from, from avatar body to avatar body. So we can computerize, store a human spirit, and then interject it and, and put it into a new being is what Yes, what and saying. you know why it's possible? And the reason why it's possible is because this entire third dimension is a light matrix based off of zeros and ones, digital data. And that's scientifically proven. That's, that it is, is, it is proven, yeah, absolutely, yeah, you're right. The, the language yeah. of God, zeros and ones, right? That's it. That's the language of God. That's so that's, so so that's badass, exactly dude. why it's possible. Wow. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as we're talking here, you know, we've, we've brought these up. If you want to go back and check out some of these readings, I highly suggest what they call the Enuma Elish, which is, I believe, uh, the, the Akkadian story or the Babylonian story of, you know, kind of creation, the flood. Um, you got your Adra Hasish. Um, all of these, the, the Nagamati scriptures. I mean, just look these up and kind of go back because they they really do a great job, way better than I am. And you know, obviously, our boy Billy is way on point here. But I mean, they, they talk about you know life before the flood and just again, Graham Hancock said we are a civilization with amnesia. We have no idea the depths of what has been hidden from us. We are we are made to think we're these like again, not to disrespect any religious. We're made to think we're sinners out of the box, and you know, we're really just kind of this ball of meat. And unless we accept this individual as our personal savior, we're going to hell regardless of our deeds. And I personally feel that is the complete opposite of, of our, tr- the true nature of who the heck we are. Um, 
But in, in a lot, in a lot, as you talked about consciousness, man, in, in mindset, Pat and I were talking just how a, a friend of his, Dave Clark, shout outs to Dave Clark, man, really beautiful human being with an, just tore his Achilles and his doctors are like, you're healing faster than anybody I've kind of ever seen. He's more a, than faster than other human beings. He's healing so fast that it's not humanly possible to do what he's doing. And he's vegan wow. and he doesn't eat sugar and his level of consciousness is through the roof. It is, man. Great guy. He used to be like a 300-pound obese, you know, drug addict, and he's changed his whole life. Yeah, the guy's an ultra-runner. He, he did. He had that flip, switch flipped with him. But I, I, I try to impart it. We talk about it, how huge visualization and mindset is, you know, going back to almost epigenetics, you know, your, the biology of belief, like Dr. Bruce Lipton says. Why don't you tell us about, and this is something that blew my mind when I saw this, the experiments of Dr. Masuru Moto and his, his experiments with water. Yeah. And I suggest everyone if you go go look this up and google it because when you see the results of this water you'll your mind will be blown what's his experiment entail oh uh, listen it's an amazing amazing uh experiment that he did uh, i was fortunate enough to work and talk with his understudy uh and um she was a, she is an amazing teacher as well she comes to the conscious life expo every year if you have time to go there i'll be there again february 22nd to 25th Look for uh, look for the Dr. Masuda Moto uh, lecture or workshop there. But basically, what he did was he discovered that water can actually pick up on conscious intent. So this is amazing. So what he did was take a drop of water in a droplet, put it under a microscope, and look at it. You see, it normally forms a crystal, it has a crystallization to it. But then what he did was he would take these water droplets and put them in these jars, or take water, put them in different jars. He would actually take words and tape it to the jar. I hate you. I love you. You're amazing. Uh, yeah. He would pray over one jar. Uh, you know, all these different uh, types of levels of feelings and thoughts. And based off of what was written on the paper and taped to the jar, you would take a droplet out of that water and put it under a microscope. If it was, I love you, it would be a beautiful crystal. If it was, I hate you, it would be a horrible malformed yeah. crystal. Sometimes it wouldn't I even be a crystal that. at all. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, and then if it was, uh, you know, I wish you were dead, it would be dark and, and like and warped. These are drops of water. So it's an amazing thing that he discovered that water captures the intent of consciousness. And it's very important because our bodies are 70 percent water. So when you tell your, your child or your wife or your husband, I love you, you're having a direct effect on their physiology. Immediately, exactly. that moment you say it, if you really truly believe it, and if you tell them, that I should hate hit you, home for you, everyone. I mean, absolutely, yeah. the mind is absolutely. You know? I mean, we're not just this study, but again, if you go to Dr. Bruce Lipton's study of, of epigenetics, you know, your bio, you know, your belief of things creates your biology, mm -hmm. and even you know, yeah. this this study is when I saw it, it was just mind blowing, ladies and gentlemen, the power of the mind. Like we talked about when we first started the show, you know, the narrative we tell ourselves is so very powerful. I can't do it. I can do it. Man, there's a very fine line between the two. But when you tell, you know, when you're on that, I can do it. Like anything's freaking possible. How much man. of this knowledge was in the library in Alexandria? Oh, listen, that whole library of Alexandria, which I'm going to visit the area where it used to be. We need to hang out more, there. Billy. Dang, you traveling? Going oh, to yeah, the I know. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> I go everywhere, man. But, you know, the thing about this library, it's a, it's a big conspiracy because, truthfully, what I believe now, after looking in deeper to some other things that I found and talking to some archaeologists and homegrown people from the area, they came there and they faked this uh, burning of the books. In other words, they burned down the library, but they took the content, and the majority of that I, content yeah. is underneath the Vatican. 
That's where it's at. <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah. Would, you know what? That's, that's not at. that far of a stretch. No. That that's where a lot of these a lot of these lot of these ancient scriptures are either I, I think I saw either the Vatican or like the British Museum or yeah, it's it's all yeah. it's it's locked away and that's the that's the weird thing. You got so many of these tablets that are like untranslated that are just sitting there that's just like you know why couldn't i have oh, seen man. a ufo when i was a kid <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> well before i let you slide you know another part of this whole thing you know lost tech and i'm, I'm not smart enough to really describe it but there is mm-hmm. there is uh, there's a thought process that sound has a lot to do with you know creating uh, fields of energy if you will in in, in geometric mm-hmm. shapes um, talk a little bit about cymatics. I saw something the other day on cymatics yeah. and how c- basically grains of salt on a vibrating metal board at a certain frequency, and that's the other part, frequency plays a huge role yeah. in this, creates different geometric patterns. Right. That's amazing because, you know, when you read in, in the Bible in the beginning where it says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God, they're talking about frequency and vibration. They're talking about cymatics. And cymatics can be dated all the way back into the most ancient texts you can find, especially going into, guess what, the Emerald Tablets, which is, <laughs> I talk about in my book, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets, because those is talking about using frequency and sound to manifest physical matter. He had, ma- he had mastered the ability to create matter from sound. Uh, and, you know, these, these ancient Atlanteans, these Anunnaki people were masters at sound, and cymatics is, is basically... Right now, there's this morphogenic field that's waving through this entire ether of space-time. And this morphogenic field is filled with vibrating strings. This is where you get into quantum mechanics and quantum physics, where you get into string theory. Uh, you know, so these strings are vibrating, and they're emanating specific frequencies. And these frequencies basically uh, run across everything in the entire third dimension, and they create all the patterns we see. They create the bipedal, bilateral being form. They create... The, the spots on the back of a leopard, they create the pattern on the back of a turtle shell. These cymatic frequencies literally emanate and vibrate into existence all the shapes and patterns that we see in all of life on the entire, in the entire universe. When you combine the cymatic frequency with conscious intent, you then now are creating entire realities. And this is how we manifest this, this holographic light matrix that we're living in. I mean, it really truly is. So what happens is you have your brain, which is totally encased in darkness. It doesn't know anything. It says to its friends, sight, hearing, smell, sound, feeling, touch, go out there and tell me what's going on. So those friends go out, but those friends, they themselves don't know what they're collecting. They're just collecting bits of information, zeros and ones, a little bit of data. They bring it back to the brain that's encased in darkness. The brain then sorts it all out, merges with the morphogenic field, and then projects a hologram and says, this is what's going on out there. And then you navigate through the matrix based off of that data. And that's literally what's going on. And that's that's kind of, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, we're all basically the same one consciousness experiencing reality subjectively through, like you just said, these these limited, you know, perception meters of like light, light taste, right. sound. But, you know, we know gamma rays exist and x-ray exists even though we don't perceive them. So there's this, right. we have to understand there is so much going on. And is it possible? Oh, yeah. I mean, how much experimentation has been done, Billy, on sound and vibrations being used to build something we've never understood how they were built, the pyramids. Oh, absolutely. Those are uh, being told, talked about this in the Emerald Tablets. The first thing he says is, I built it, the Great Pyramid, modern after Earth's force. He used frequency and vibration to build the Great Pyramid, and I truly do believe that he built the Great Pyramid from the top down. Uh, you know, so this is just amazing that the technology that's being used to build this. And when you go there and look at the construction, I've been inside the Great Pyramid. I've been inside the King's Chamber. I've been inside the Queen's Chamber. 
I mean, these, this, this structure is, you know, uh, when you go up the Grand Gallery, you feel the pressure of this structure, and you realize right away that it's definitely not built by some elephants rolling, you know, pulling up logs up a hill right. and stones up a hill and all this crazy. You would have to have more mass of mud ramps than you would have the mass of the pyramid itself right. to be able to do it that way. But these structures, these stones, you can just tell by looking at them, the size and mass and the way that they're fitted together. You still can't put a human here in between them today. You can tell that they were put there through some type of frequency technology, that they were, they were molded together through this, this type of a, maybe a frequency lattice. But they definitely used technology. And one evidence of technology just like that in the ancient past is when Thoth lands the ship in the land of Kim. When he opens the door to the ship, the barbarians came to attack him and his crew. And he says, I raised my staff and I sent out a ray of vibration, stopping them still a stone in the mountain. So we already had a, some type of a stun ray gun, which sent out a vibration. Which we got today. We got, the, we got the microwave gun they've used on protesters. I've seen it. That's and that's, right. that's what's so that's crazy right. about the pyramid. There's, I mean, clearly, you know, t- however many thousands of, you know, two-ton bricks in such a fashion lined up directly with the constellation yeah, Orion. We've seen, we've seen stonework in South America where it looks like yeah. it's melted together like, like yeah. almost like lava. And uh, you can yeah, you can determine there. the circumference of the Earth via the P- Great Pyramid. I mean, there's I mean, the Golden Ratio, which that wasn't even found until centuries later by the Greeks, and here they are. Yeah. You know, just it's it's absolutely crazy, man. It's absolutely and also crazy. the Grand Gallery, the longitude of the Grand Gallery is the exact number of the digits of the speed of light in meters per second. And people go, well, meters weren't discovered until the 1960s. No, 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 no. Meters or 1940s, whatever. Meters were discovered by the Sumerians. If you even look, you can even look it up uh, online. Uh, the Proto-Sumerians had a metric system all the way back then, long time ago, eight, 9,000 years ago, the metric system was already in existence. We rediscovered it, or somebody found the metric, somebody found the Sumerian information and, re- and copied it and made a lot of money off of it. So what happened? Again, man, none of this, it's, uh, it's, it's hidden in plain sight, man. This information is there. A lot of people's confirmation biases on religion, whatever it is, I know keep them from going as far as kind of we're going. But, you know, and to each his own, quite frankly, if you're whatever and it makes you that's your thing and that makes you happy. I'm absolutely cool with it. But again, having conversations like these, I have so many more questions and answers. But again, it's it, it helps redefine and reshape our civilization, which has been no pun intended, set in stone in such a way that that keeps us from recognizing our true, true gifts, in my opinion. Like I said, we didn't start linear some cave, you know, knuckle draggers. And now we're so cool. There was civilizations right. have gone up and down for for thousands and tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of years man wow yeah. uh, do you want to shout out we got to let you slide man because i gotta let my brain marinate before we get to our <laughs> next show holy god do you have any um any social networking your book anything you got coming up speaking engagements etc yeah i mean if everybody wants to know a lot more about this i cover it in great detail in my book compendium of the emerald tablets it's available only on forbiddenknowledge.com with the number four forbiddenknowledge.com with the number four you can also follow me on instagram twitter facebook tumblr at Forbidden Knowledge with the number four. Uh, and uh, the book is 444 pages, so check it out. Man, I, I truly <laughs> had any, any closing comments from you, sir? Uh, you know, I can, I can just say that this is just a scratch on the surface of the knowledge that is out there and certainly the knowledge that's in his brain. I wish I could spend uh, a, a lot of time with this, this man and, and keep learning. But we're going to read the book, I can tell you that. Well, And you're definitely welcome back any any time, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, I implore you to kind of Take that red pill. Tumble down the rabbit hole for a hot minute because uh, the information is pretty deep. As we just kind of scratched the surface today, man, there's a lot out there, a lot to digest. Got to explore. But we are meant to explore. Absolutely. Absolutely. Billy Carson, ladies and gentlemen, check him out. This has been awesome. I can't thank you enough for your time, sir. And again, you are welcome back 
anytime. I like that necklace too, man. It's pretty sweet. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Bill. It's a hollow shield. It's got orgone in it. Got what? Orgone inside of it. Well, help me out. What is that? Orgone technology. It's a mixture of uh, organic and inorganic materials that basically uh, take life force and push out all negative energy and suck in all positive energy. I need a little slice of that. I'm with it. I'll send you the link. <laughs> oh, there you go. Cool. Look at Tim. Yeah. All right, Billy Carson, ladies and gentlemen, peace and so much love. Thank you, sir. Thank Take you, care, Billy. everybody. There will always be all more. Right. Holla.